Dr. Priya Gupta is a paid consultant of Johnson & Johnson Surgical Vision Incorporated. Product indications and safety information will be available at the end of the episode. I'm Rana Jaraha, and I welcome you to our sixth and final podcast in this special series on presbyopia correcting IOLs. Today, we're looking forward to discussing the educational process of the Technus platform with Dr. Priya Gupta of Durham, North Carolina. Welcome, Dr. Gupta. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's start off by talking about the technology and the educational process you use to understand a patient's visual goals following cataract surgery. What tools do you use to educate your patients on the options currently available? Sure. I think patients have so many options when it comes to cataract surgery today. And a lot of them have a family member or friend that's gone through the experiences, so many patients can come in with some preconceptions of what they want. Yet a lot of them aren't sure and are really looking to the physician's office to educate them on their options so they can make a more informed decision on their vision. One of the things that I like to start off with is just the basic questions about their lifestyle and goals. So we have our technicians ask patients these questions when they're doing the patient's initial workup. For patients that we know um, are coming in for cataract evaluation, we've been using some educational software. Um, There's a company called Rendia, and they have developed material that can be emailed to the patient in advance. And so our patients receive a link to this education where they can watch a video beforehand. Or if they haven't watched it prior to coming in, we'll give the patient an iPad and they can watch while they're um, in the waiting room or um, while they're waiting to be seen by the doctor. Before moving to this digital platform, we used to actually mail patients a packet of information. I think it's nice if you're able to have that touch point before the patient gets to the process. It's nice to educate them on different IOL options and just what vision correction can mean at the time of cataract surgery. We also have brochures and pamphlets in the office. We have a simple clear-cut technology option sheet that delineates the cost um, that we give to each patient as well. Our surgery schedulers definitely spend time talking to the patient if there's still confusion about the different options. And sometimes just spending additional time and hearing it more than once is important for patients. The physician can't always be the person to repeat this information, so certainly having someone in your office that can help to educate patients is key. Also, another big part of this is anytime I adopt a technology that's new, I educate my staff on it. So all the technicians, even the front desk and the schedulers, everybody learns about the technology so that if someone asks a question, any of the team members feel comfortable answering some of the basics. The front line matters just as much as the time the patients spend with the doctors, and I'd recommend this to every office. Spending time educating your own staff is really important because they can be a tremendous resource for patient information. There's also a large category of patients that I interact with from a co-management or referral perspective, uh, whether that's in a referring optometrist or another care provider the patient's seen. Since I often have patients come um, you know, from, from an outside practice, um, I really spend a lot of time with the referring doctors, um, especially my optometry colleagues, to educate them on the currently available technology, as well as teaching them about the importance of optimizing the ocular surface. I think educating our referral networks on how to prepare the patient for cataract surgery really helps in guiding and educating patients in some of the different options that are out there, but also contributes to a more efficacious process. 
Often, these patients have a long-standing relationship with their optometrist, and they may have been going to the same doctor for a decade or more. So I find it very valuable when the educational seed has already been planted and the patient has a general awareness of what some of their surgical options are. Patients want to know about their vision options and they want to know about the most advanced technology. Okay, that's a great approach. So you educate the patient on what the options are and then work with the optometrist to educate the patient. Okay, but let's take a step further to better understand how you're integrating that critical knowledge in with their lifestyle in a way that's meaningful to the patient. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I think from the optometry perspective, a lot of times these patients have been contact lens wearers. They may be doing monovision or maybe they're wearing multifocal contacts. Especially with the doctors that are fitting contact lenses, they spend a lot of time with patients understanding their visual needs and their demands for distance or intermediate or distance and near. Once you have that relationship with a patient, I find my referring doctors have already somewhat analyzed the patient type because they know what the patient has been used to doing and they've told the patient about what they think is a reasonable technology for them, knowing what their goals are. They may say, hey, you should have a cataract evaluation and if you're a candidate, I think you would like this type of lens. And they will send me their clinical notes and if they've noticed something specific, they'll comment um, in the note and say something like, I've talked to this patient about X or Y technology. So to me, that's excellent education because they've taken uh, a piece of their longstanding relationship and made that applicable to what the patient is about to undergo. That's really valuable and it's collaborative care at its finest. And I think that the patient has a better experience since my encounter with the cataract patient is um, comparatively very brief and limited compared to the longstanding uh, relationship they may have had with their optometrist. So I, I definitely um, keep open lines of communication between myself and my optometry colleagues so that we can make sure that we're offering the technology that the optometrist has talked to the patient about, but also that they feel would be the most optimal for the patient if they're a candidate. We're relying a lot uh, on different touch points. And I put a lot of faith in the recommendations of an optometrist that's known their patient for a long time. They may or may not be a candidate for the technology when I see them, but at least they've assessed and shared their assessment with me of what they think the patient uh, finds to be the most important aspect of their visual quality or their visual demands. And to me, that's really what educating the patient is about. So when the patient comes to our practice after we've administered some key questions uh, to understand their goals and their lifestyles, we ask about prior contact lens wear, whether or not they've used multifocals in the past. We ask about their occupation. And to me, that's really important. Someone that's on the computer all day uh, compared to somebody that does you know, more um, activities that are distant dominant uh, will have completely different needs. If anybody's an engineer or uh, if they have a refraction anywhere from minus 0.75 to a minus 250 myope, it's critical to note because these are the patients that have an ability to take off their glasses to see up close. Um, and if you change that after surgery, and they may not be as satisfied. Uh, pilots, for example, um, are also worth spending a little extra time with helping them make a decision on their lens implant um, because of their intense nighttime visual demands, um, you might recommend one thing over another. Okay. This also goes for long distance uh, drivers and truck drivers. Those are special populations because they have very specific visual demands. Um, and as a surgeon, I need to understand how their cataract surgery could potentially alter their work performance. And they might be at higher risk for being dissatisfied if I'm not actually you know, having that involved discussion with them about uh, their different options. 
So it's really important to me to understand what the patient is doing most often during their day and really try to understand how that will impact their visual needs. In terms of the actual technology options, what's worked really well in our office is having a one-page sheet that all patients get upon check-in. It's very simple, um, and it reviews the broad categories of lens options. So on one side, it talks about presbyopia correction, correction of toricity or its stigmatism, and what the monofocal standard-issued implant is. The other side of the sheet talks about femtosecond laser-assisted cataract surgery. I think that one of the things that frustrates patients is when there are so many options. Their biggest fear is that you're relying on them to make a major life decision, and a lot of times they want you to make a decision for them. I found that just having a simple way to boil down the information allows me to have an efficient conversation with my patient, and I do it largely based on what they tell me is their number one goal. Someone might say, well, I don't want any halos. I want the best, sharpest vision quality I can get with no distortions. That might be somebody that needs a monofocal implant versus somebody that says, well, I hate readers. I'd do anything to get rid of my readers. And for those patients, I can show them the categories of uh, lenses and I can help them um, decide and make them a recommendation when it comes to choosing uh, presbyopia correcting technology. I think it's really important in the doctor-patient relationship to have the physician make a recommendation to the patient, but only after they've heard and listened to what the patient um, finds most important. That's all great information. So I've heard from other colleagues of yours that cataract patients are getting younger. They're having surgery younger when they still have some accommodative ability of their own. How do you help them understand what it's like to have distance vision only so they can better determine the trade-offs? Yeah, I think that showing the patient is very important. For somebody that still retains their accommodation, sometimes I show them what their loss of near vision is like when they're dilated because you paralyze their accommodation. That's a little bit of an aha moment for some patients. There are also excellent visual simulators. Johnson & Johnson has an online simulator where patients can understand what it's like to be in focus at distance and at different ranges at near. That can visually give the patient information about what their vision might potentially be like after surgery, and I think that's so important. But you're absolutely right in that I have a very candid conversation with patients about what they're going to gain and what they're going to lose. Because a patient in their 40s is going to lose their accommodation after surgery, and that can be a drastic change compared to what they're doing um, before surgery. While their vision quality might be better, they may need glasses more uh, for certain activities if they're not choosing presbyopia correcting technology. Gotcha. Yeah, thanks for sharing. So now let's talk about preparing the ocular surface so you, you achieve the desired outcomes. Preoperatively, how do you analyze the ocular surface and treat any dry eye or meibomian gland issues that may impact biometry and drive inaccurate lens choice? One of the things that we've understood for a long time is that dry eye disease can get worse after cataract surgery, but we really didn't have great tools to diagnose and identify ocular surface disease. So over the last few years, we've realized that there, we have many tools now available to us to diagnose dry eye and uh, meibomian gland dysfunction prior to cataract surgery. I think the modern shift in cataract surgery is and should be to pay very close attention to dry eye disease and, and really most importantly, identify it preoperatively so that you can enhance your refractive outcomes and patient experience. We just published uh, a paper in JCRS in September of 2018, and that showed that in a group of 120 patients presenting for cataract surgery evaluation, 
80% of them had at least one clinical sign or an abnormal point of care test suggesting ocular surface dysfunction. So if we're not finding it, we're really not doing a good job of looking at it preoperatively, given the high prevalence we found in our study. There's many tools that we can use. This doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, there's questionnaires to screen for dry eye. There's point of care testing, such as osmolarity and MMP9 tests. There's mybography to look at mybomian gland atrophy. And so, you know, there's a lot of options, but the first key message is that we need to be looking for this because it's highly prevalent. And also, as we talk about refractive surgery and as our technology advances, um, specifically in cataract surgery, we've become so much better at providing um, a real refractive approach to cataract surgery. We really have to inspect the ocular surface and address any issues in this ocular surface to get our best refractive outcomes. Interesting. What strategies have you found most effective in creating consistent messaging with your optometry referral network, particularly in terms of preparing the ocular surface? Well, I think that my optometry colleagues have been very receptive and embrace the idea of optimizing the ocular surface. Uh, they're well aware of postoperative worsening of dry eye disease, and especially those that do a lot of co-management are seeing those patients that have symptoms postoperatively. And I think they accept and agree wholeheartedly that we should be optimizing the surface prior to surgery. Again, I think that education goes a long way. So for my colleagues, I certainly have given continuing education lectures on how to improve the ocular surface. And then explaining the importance of waiting to make that referral until the ocular surface is pristine has been very helpful. I think that um, it allows the patient to have a much more efficient cataract evaluation appointment. Patients don't like it when they get seen and then they're told that they have another disease and they have to wait to have surgery. And so I think that if you can make that diagnosis um, of ocular surface disease before and allow the patient to really understand that they have more than one disease happening that that's much better for the patient. And I think it's also important for the patients to realize that it's not just cataracts that are causing blurred vision. They may also have dry eye that's causing them to have blurred vision. And with this understanding, I think that the patients tend to do better because they understand that they have more than one disease process going on. That's really important. So does the patient willingness to treat the ocular surface issues impact your IOL recommendations? Most definitely. Uh, if someone has uncontrolled dry eye, I most definitely don't place a toric or a multifocal implant in their eye. Um, and if that's something that's important to the patient, then I approach it by explaining how they have to treat uh, their dry eye disease. Uh, because really, I mean, if we're not respecting the ocular surface, it doesn't matter what technology we put in the eye, it's not going to deliver the outcomes that they're expecting unless they address the ocular surface disease first. Thank you for sharing with us today, Dr. Gupta. It's been great to hear your insights on educational process with the Technus platform. So this concludes our final episode in this special series of Presbyopia Correcting IOLs. Thank you for tuning in with us. Indications and important safety information for Technus Symphony. Prescription only. Indications for use. The Technus Symphony Extended Range of Vision IOL, model ZXR00, is indicated for primary implantation for the visual correction of aphakia in adult patients with less than one diopter of pre-existing corneal astigmatism, in whom a cataractous lens has been removed. The lens mitigates the effects of presbyopia by providing an extended depth of focus. 
Compared to an aspheric monofocal IOL, the lens provides improved intermediate and near visual acuity while maintaining comparable distance visual acuity. The model ZX-R00 IOL is intended for capsular bag placement only. Warnings May cause a reduction in contrast sensitivity under certain conditions compared to an aspheric monofocal IOL. Inform patients to exercise special caution when driving at night or in poor visibility conditions. Some visual effects may be expected due to the lens design, including perception of halos, glare, or starbursts around lights under nighttime conditions. These will be bothersome or very bothersome in some people, particularly in low illumination conditions, and on rare occasions may be significant enough that the patient may request removal of the IOL. Attention. Reference the directions for use labeling for a complete listing of indications and important safety information. Indications and important safety information for the Technus multifocal family of one-piece IOLs. Prescription only. Indications. The Technus multifocal one-piece IOLs are indicated for primary implantation for the visual correction of aphakia in adult patients with and without presbyopia in whom a catechist lens has been removed by phacoemulsification and who desire near, intermediate, and distance vision with increased spectacle independence. The intraocular lenses are intended to be placed in the capsular bag. Important safety information. Inform patients of possible contrast sensitivity reduction and increases in visual disturbances that may affect their ability to drive at night or in poor visibility conditions. The lens should not be placed in the ciliary sulcus. Weigh the potential risk-benefit ratio for patients with conditions that could be exacerbated or may interfere with diagnosis or treatment. Secondary glaucoma has been reported occasionally in patients with controlled glaucoma who receive lens implants. Multifocal IOL implants may be inadvisable in patients where central visual field reduction may not be tolerated, such as macular degeneration, retinal pigment epithelium changes, and glaucoma. Attention! Reference the directions for use, labeling for a complete listing of indications and important safety information. Indications and important safety information for the Technus one-piece intraocular lens, prescription only. Indications for use. Technus one-piece lenses are indicated for the visual correction of aphakia in adult patients in whom a catechist lens has been removed by extracapsular cataract extraction. These devices are intended to be placed in the capsular bag. Important safety information. Physicians considering lens implantation under any of the conditions described in the directions for use should weigh the potential risk-benefit ratio prior to implanting a lens that could increase complications or impact patient outcomes. Do not place the lens in the ciliary sulcus. The most commonly reported adverse events of cataract surgery with the one-piece IOL included macular edema. Attention! Reference the labeling of a complete listing of indications and important safety information.